everybody. Welcome to No One Told Me, where we believe hindsight is everything. My name is Callie, and if it is your first time here, let me just give you a heads up about what we do. We take the experiences and the stories of those who are a little ahead of us, and we use those to make those behind us feel a little less alone. So like those moments when you're like, wait a second, I know someone else had to have walked through this or felt this or had to navigate this. How do I not know their story? Well, here, I hope you find their story. We have a whole library of topics that we have discussed that I hope you find yourself in one or maybe a few of them. So I brought my friend Taylor Hughes on. Taylor, hello. hello. I knew you would need like a direct invitation yes, to speak. Before I was you would so nervous. It. I was like, when do I come in? And then I started sweating even more than I already am. I should have pointed at yeah. you like they do on radio. Just pointed like it's you. on air. Like, I don't know. Okay. But yes, I am here. We're so excited to have her jump in. I met Taylor several years ago when your husband took a job at the church I was serving at. And you came and I remember one of the first things someone said to me, I had not met you, but I had met Hunter years ago when he was in college, we had hired him on as an intern. And I always tell everyone that he was my favorite employee ever at the church. And so him coming back, I was like, it can't get any better. And someone was like, oh, it does get better because you have not met his wife. Oh, no. Do you like that kind of pressure? <laughs> I really hate it so much because I will let you down. It'll. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anytime someone says something like that about me, I'm like, oh, no. I just got to set it straight We right can now. only go down. Yeah. Like, this <laughs> is. Don't set me up. It's up like there. that Parks and Rec when he's like, you know, they tell Jerry, like, I think you're capable of much more. And he's like, I'm not. I just, I'm just letting you know. I just need to be clear yeah. where I stand. <laughs> but what that feeds into is when other people assign an identity to you. Mm. So one of the big, and I kind of hate this word. I wish we had a different one. But this whole topic of identity, because I myself had an identity crisis probably two years ago where I was like, wait a second who am I now? When you have a big life shift, okay? So maybe you get a new job, maybe you graduate college, maybe you have a baby, you know, maybe you get married and all of a sudden you're like, I don't know. I don't know who I am anymore. You know what I mean? Right. And so you have moved several times. You have made big decisions that have caused that. So first, what I want you to do is share a little bit of backstory, you know, maybe how you and Hunter met and then kind of what your, your life together has looked like. And then maybe talk about one or two times that you had one of those identity crises where you woke up and were like, God, wait a second. I'm yeah. feeling some kind of way about this. Okay. So you asked how me and Hunter met. Okay. We met my senior year of college. And it was very funny because I had just studied abroad in South Africa. And in my mind, I, I, think I, I didn't know that. Yeah. It was... A whole semester? It was a summer. And so oh my it was great. Yeah. You loved it? I really loved it. I And I left that feeling like there were a lot of different things. And I'm going to tie that into the second question you asked about. But I left that feeling like, okay, I'm going to move overseas. And I'm going to, I'm just going to jump in. Um, And the Lord just did not, that's not what he had for me. Obviously, I got back to college met Hunter at an engagement party that I wasn't exactly invited to. <laughs> I That can only happen to you. Right. Truly. <laughs> I had actually, in, I was interning with Young Life because I had led Young Life all four years of college. Um, and so I was interning with them and this guy's in, engagement party, he um, was interning with me. So I had known him for five days when I showed up at his engagement party. 
Was it like a, hey, you should just come? My How friends were like, just come on. No one will notice. And we were an hour and a half late. That gives me anxiety. And so no. all of all of the like acquaintances were gone at that point. And it was just close friends and family. I'm going to be honest. Even when and- I am invited, I'm like, am I really invited? Did you, wait, should Listen, I be here? <laughs> I... I don't even remember meeting Hunter because there were sirens going off in my head. Like, you're not supposed to be here. Like, you should not be here. So it was not love at first sight. You not didn't lock for, eyes across the engagement party. Not for me. <laughs> but <laughs> no. for him, for sure. He, he remembered, yeah. But anyway, we met and dated for a year and a half and then got engaged and got married. But we did a year long distance because he worked for Pine Cove Camps. And he lived in Atlanta. And so when we got married, or right before we got married, I had to kind of leave everything and move to Atlanta. But I do kind of want to rewind because you asked about identity crisis. And when I was in college, all of my college leading up to everything was I was going to go to med school. I had all the internships. I was an honors student at UT. I had, you know, those people that are academically like that's where I get my gratification I loved school like I would get front row and raise my hand to all the questions and super annoying truly that's who I was and then I got to my senior year and didn't feel peace about it anymore and I freaked out and so I had to go on this really just almost painful journey of like okay if this is all taken away who am I and I had no idea You know, I was forced to be like, okay, where have I, where have I gotten my identity from? And it was everything around me. Like Mm -hmm. truly Mm -hmm. it was, it was how smart I was or how accomplished I was. And it wasn't until all of that was kind of gone where I was like, okay, I literally have no idea. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's talk about for a second, red flags that your identity is circumstantial. mm. You know that yeah. almost exactly what you just said, that I looked around and was like, okay, if this degree, if yeah. I don't have this degree, who am I? If I don't have this job, mm-hmm. if I don't have this relationship, if I don't have, th- you know, like, I think there are red flags that if you ask yourself this, you have this moment of panic of, wait, I don't know. Right. You know, I'll never forget Ryan and I were on our 10 year anniversary trip and I was really struggling through that decision of do I continue where I'm at or do I leave? Mm -hmm. And I was listening to a podcast and it said an idol is anything that if removed, you don't know who you are anymore. And I was running through Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and and I started crying while I was running because I was like, oh, my gosh, my identity is circumstantial right now. Who I think I am is defined by everything I do or don't do. And it is one of those very pivotal moments that I think comes at different times. And a lot of times it's only identified in hindsight, Mm -hmm. right? You can look back to that moment now and you're like, man, I had it all wrong, Mm -hmm. you know? Okay. So what did you do? So you were like, okay, I don't, this is not it for me. Yeah. I, so the year after college, I ended up doing something I never thought I was going to do, which was I did a residency at a church in multiplication so like church plants and then doing missions doing that and so I was like how did I get quite literally how did I get here I don't know but it wasn't a surprise to the Lord obviously but during that time I feel like I had to go back to square one and relearn who the Lord was and through that I feel like that's when he started to show me pieces of who I am apart like aside from that and so to be honest with you practically I went on a lot of walks I I went back to scripture, I would write down who God actually is, and then write down anything I would learn about who I was. 
I would pay attention to what I enjoyed doing, Mm -hmm. which I found out nursery is not it for me. No, thank you. (laughs) I'm on pass. I am so sorry to anyone who ever asked me to be in the nursery because I will complain about it. And that sounds horrible, but it's true. I will be miserable. But like before Mm -hmm. that, I would just say yes. to Like I didn't know, you know, and so I started paying attention to what actually makes me feel alive, you know, and it was pouring out to the next generation. I found I felt so alive after mm-hmm. that. And I went on a lot of walks and I just talked to the Lord. I told him, I don't know who I, I have no idea. I need you to show me. Mm-hmm. And I know that doesn't sound super practical, but I would pretend like I was on the phone. Like I put yeah. in my AirPods and I pretended like I was talking on the phone. Mm-hmm. And that was a year of me doing that. And if anyone knew that's what I was doing, they're like, you are a crazy person. But well, now you've outed yourself. Right. So yeah, everyone who saw you walking is like, I already like, knew she was crazy. Weirdo. <laughs> No, but that's what is so, um, I remember asking similar questions. And what's so interesting to me is that when I'm asking, who am I? God takes it back to who he is, Mm -hmm. right? He's like, let me remind you of my character. I want you to relearn my character right now. I want, or learn it for the first time. I want you to go back to the Old Testament and I want you to start there. And that's where I started was Old Testament learning who he was because he tells them over and over again in the Old Testament who he is, just like Jesus did in the New Testament, right? And so taking it back, it was like when I'm asking, who am I? What am I supposed to do? He's like, wait, no, you're, we got to get even more basic. I need to remind you who I am so you can better find your footing and who you are. Right. And- well, I mean, it makes sense. Like we are made in his image. So it only makes sense that we don't know who we are apart from him. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. like yep. it. Yeah. That just goes back to scripture. Yeah. Truly. Well, and here's what I think is also a little interesting is you were overseas. Was that before your senior year? That was going into my senior year. Yeah. Okay. So you're overseas. Mm -hmm. So you're already in a situation that made you think, I think I should be doing something different, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you come home and you're like, yep, this is it. I have figured it out. Right. And then you start navigating. Okay. That's not it. So there's a little disappointment with that. So I wonder if you could think back through that and even think back through and think through now when you know something is not it, how do you start walking towards what could be it? If that makes sense. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. it's easy. It's kind of easy to cross it off. Like the nursery. No, thank you. I mean, there are things, I don't know if I've told this story before. I think I have. But when I first left the church, I just started taking on projects because I was like, why not? I've got the time. And so I started doing contract work, like marketing and strategy and all that fun stuff. And there was a company, it was like a multi-billion dollar company um, that I got connected with. That would give me so much anxiety. (laughs) And I'm like talking to the guy who's running the marketing department. And he's like, we have 12 brands of, and it's like from anything from like furniture to a bakery to logistics stuff that they do, like a trucking company to potato chips. And he was like, I want you to start with potato chips. And I was like, all right. But then there was this moment. And this is when I'm still trying to figure out, okay, what do I do? Mm -hmm. You know, like, I know you want me to hit pause on this, but I was so restless that I couldn't just sit in it. And so I started saying yes to things that in hindsight, God's like, hey, I told you that that's not it, what you just walked away from, but not so that you could just willy-nilly jump into something else to see if that's it. (laughs) You know, like you're not giving me any time to do anything here. Like you're just kind of jumping onto what's next because you don't know how to just sit in me. Like Mm. you don't know how to sit and wait on what I'm going to do. You think you have to manufacture it and that you have to do it. And so I'm like, all right, potato chips, that's it. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. And he's like, okay, we're going to fly you out to our factory. And it was a private jet. And I was like, I have made it. Like, oh my gosh. That I pulled is on up, my bucket list. That is wild. Me. 
Listen, you're like, yes, I, I will take whatever yes. free thing you have on this jet, please. <laughs> Bring me the water. Yeah, I pulled up at the airport. They're like, hey, we're flying out at 8. We'll be back by 7 p.m. And I'm like, okay, that's great. And so I pull up to the airport and I'm sitting there waiting. And I'm not a great flyer anyways. Like, I'm a very nervous flyer because I'm like, y'all, this thing can go down at any second. I don't know why we're trusting this right now. I don't even know that pilot. I don't even know it. My life's in his hands. I don't even know who he is. Don't know his first name. And so we get our stuff. He's like, all right, plane's ready. And so it's him and a co-pilot and like one like steward guy who's like making sure you have everything you need. They take you to the plane and you sit down and there's snacks everywhere oh, and like yes. bottles of water, drinks, whatever you want. And everyone's <laughs> just sitting there shooting the breeze, sitting down, getting comfortable. And I'm like, what do we do? Should I be here? Do you know? You you probably smell the Aldi like all over me right now. Like, you know, I don't belong here. So we get there. We land. It's in the middle of nowhere. We drive to the potato chip factory. And I, I am tasked with coming up with all the promotions. So like commercials and social media and radio spots and just the full package of assets that would go along with this branding. Right. And I'm thinking, okay, so I'm sitting there writing down ideas. And it was at one point when I was getting footage and I was watching these potato chips drop out of the little machine. It's actually very fascinating. It's another, I could do a whole podcast about that. But they were like seasoning it, like whatever. They've clicked whatever seasoning it was supposed to be. And I'm like getting the footage on my phone to create a reel for it. And I literally, I'm sitting there in a hairnet and like a white jacket on and I'm thinking, care about potato chips? Like, what am I doing here? This is, it's truly like the Holy Spirit in that potato chip factory was like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are we doing? Like, get out. And so I finish the job. I create all the collateral, all the pieces. And I tell the guy the next day, hey, I don't want this job. This is not for me. I mean, I was literally about to sign the contract that day. And I was like, I'm sorry, here's all the pieces of collateral that I promised you. This job is not for me. Mm-hmm. I just know it. But here's what's really tricky, though. And I think you can speak into this as well. And when I told him I'm not taking this job, he was like, hey, let's talk this out, whatever. And I was like, OK. And he was like, I think you need to take this job. Let me tell you all the reasons. So he tells me all these reasons. It was great pay. It was not that many hours. It was flexible where I work from, all of these things. And because mm-hmm. a lot of times I can like take people's feelings on as my own. Yeah. And they can barely say anything to me. And I'm like, okay, you're right. You're right. I should do it. And so this guy who I didn't really know that well, and I'm on the verge rethinking everything that I was confident God had just spoken to me and made clear to me, right? And I think that speaks to when you are in these moments of uncertainty and identity crisis, you want so badly for someone to just tell you what to do because you're tired of trying to figure it out on your own, right? And it's in those moments that you have to be so careful who you choose to listen to, who you invite into that conversation. And I think you mentioned before we even hit record, you know, that's one of your big things that you learned was who I let speak into this matters. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think we panic and it's a slower process, like waiting on the Lord and talking to the Lord about who you are. So you just grab onto anything. You just grab onto all these things because you're right. It's, it's disorienting to not know or to sit in that. It feels uncomfortable, but I, I had to, you're exactly like I had to really think about and give filters to who I allowed to speak in to my identity because if you just let anybody do that you take that on to yourself and then you try to emulate that like it's a it's just not it's just not it you know what I mean yeah I feel like I've talked about this I think me and you have talked about this but the concept of this mental committee it's my thing of 2024 I've said it to so many people and I've Almost positive. I've already said it at some point you have. on the podcast. Like, <laughs> oh, so and far. to me personally. And to yes. you, yes. Yeah. On a Marco Polo, I remember because right. I was on a treadmill. It was a very unfortunate <laughs> angle and I couldn't breathe. It was not my greatest. It was the best workout of your life, though. <laughs> it really was. I was like, man, she's working twice as hard trying to get this out to me. It was great. Um, 
But who sits on your mental committee? I'll never, who are you allowing to speak into this right now that really has no opinion at right. all and has no, like, doesn't have the uh, value in your life right. to share that opinion? Mm-hmm. And when we're focusing on those kind of opinions, we stop ourselves a lot from actually being obedient. Yeah. Because we're scared a little yes. bit of like who, and usually who sits on there sucks. Uh, it's oh people who have been like jerks to us that we put on our committee right? to tell right. us what we should do. Right. And it's totally not the voice of the Lord either. The Lord is not looking at me and saying like, that is the stupidest thing. And you are so stupid. And you're, you sound stupid. And that usually is what my thoughts are. I had to come to terms with that. What does that mean for me? You know? But I do think, I mean... Like, I feel like the number one person on that committee should be the Lord, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like sometimes we we want that external validation so much that we seek that first. Mm-hmm. When in reality, knowing the Lord and taking that time informs who else should be on that committee. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to first slow down. And I think I, I've, I've messed this up every time, though. I mean, I sit here and say that, but it's so hard in that moment to not go and run to Hunter, mm-hmm. my husband, or to 80 other billion people just send it to, who am I? Please tell me. Like, uh, who do you think I yeah, am? Yeah, who do you think I, what am I good at? Please. I just met you two minutes ago. Yeah. Do you think I'm nice? Be honest. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. But like, you know, it takes practice, but I hopefully, you know, 10 years from now, he'll be the first person that I run to when mm-hmm. I have a moment like this. But I do remember, you know, that year that everything kind of happened, I found so much value because I really did have filters after praying to the Lord of like, okay, he has shown me throughout this year what I'm good at, A, and what I'm passionate about. And I can do something with that, you know? But like for the months leading up to that, I was flailing. Mm-hmm. I was like grabbing onto anything, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I find people in my life that have known me, who know the Lord, and who are, who are willing to say the hard thing. And I think those people who should be should be on your committee Mm -hmm. you know like I think of you Mm -hmm. you have shown up and you've pointed me back to the Lord every single time and you've said the hard thing and I really appreciate that you know and I need that person on my mental committee isn't it great how if someone comes to you like if you come to me and I'm like I know exactly what you should do yeah don't like I I can do it I can tell you confidently what you need to be doing like this is not hard for me yeah but then if someone like reverse and you say anything and I'm like, ah, I can't do that. And it's yeah. almost exactly what I've already told you to do. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's like, no, no. That would work for you. Don't be but silly. Like, no. That's not for me. Yeah. That's for you. <laughs> right. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> but it, it is in those moments, if you can figure out and base your identity off of the solid ground mm-hmm. that is a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. That that part will not change. Now, how you exercise that Mm -hmm. will change. And almost every time it does, you have another crisis. And I wish I could be like, let me tell you what you need to do so that never happens. And I think as women especially, we are more prone to it because of big shifts that actually change what's required of us in life, right? And I think when you said it, when you're looking for outside affirmation and someone to tell you you're getting it right. Right. That's so that makes you feel like it's fulfilling, but all it is is giving you a little a little of something and then you feel empty again. Right. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting because like I I have for years chased after what was next in the job. Or if I did a good job that day, I would go home and I felt super confident mm-hmm. in who I was or, you know, 
A Y X Y and Z. It always came from what I performed and what I achieved. And I I read it the other day. It was the "You Are a Theologian" like Jen mm-hmm. Wilkin book. Yeah. But the quote I have prayed about this since I read it. But it said, "Your identity is given and not achieved." And I have struggled with that my whole life. Mm-hmm. Truly, mm-hmm. I don't know what it looks like, or I'm so quick to not know what it looks like for me to believe that I am who the Lord says that I am and not think that I have to go out and prove it to everybody, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. even down to relationship, friendships, everything that I say, everything that I do, how I show up, that makes me who I am. And it's Mm -hmm. like, no, the Lord has already told you that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I feel like every, what, five days, I I reach that point again. I'm like, well, crap. And it's so basic, (laughs) right? Like, it's so basic. That's Mm -hmm. what makes you feel like, what the heck? What's wrong with you? This is not the hardest concept, but it is the hardest concept, right? It's very simple on paper, Mm -hmm. but super difficult in application. It is. It it feels impossible. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you knew this about me. Last year went through such a weird identity crisis that I had to set timers on my phone Mm -hmm. (laughs) that reminded me, okay, find your identity or talk to the Lord about this. This is who you are in the Lord. Um, Remember that because I would get, I'm so quick Mm -hmm. and I'm learning that about myself. I'm so quick to be like, oh, how I treat people is who I am or how I show up in this job and kill it is who I am. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. and so I had to, it was a daily, every 30 mm-hmm. minute reminder. Yeah. Well, I feel like I've had this conversation a lot lately and I know we've had it on here. Isn't so much of that is driven about what people are thinking. Yes. In it. Yeah. You know, like so much of that mm-hmm. is driven by the thoughts of others. Yeah. And thoughts you don't even know if they're having. Because mm-hmm. I guarantee you, they're not thinking about you nearly as much as you think they are. But we convince ourselves right. that they are. And so it's like, oh, I better prove it. I better show it. I was listening to a, a sermon from Matt Chandler. Uh, this was probably, gosh, six, seven months ago. Again, while running. That's when I listen to most of the podcasts that I listen to. And he said, the thing you need to understand is, is that you are not valuable because you are useful. Mm-hmm. And I was like, <laughs> But But to me, I am. But look (laughs) at all I can do. You know, and I was treating my relationship with God that way. Mm -hmm. I'm like, dude, look at everything I'm doing. I'm doing a lot. You know, I'm probably like top value to you, aren't I? Like, it's just like, you're like, that's one of my greatest warriors right there. You know, and it's just not, that's not how he views any of us is what we can do for him will bring out what he'll do for us. Yeah. You know, if we hit a certain mark, then he'll, you know, pour out his favor. That's just not how but he it's works. So, it is so countercultural and so unlike any other relationship that mm-hmm. we have. Yeah. You know, that's what's so hard is that, okay, I know in my head that he does not look at me that way, mm-hmm. but it's so hard to not be like, okay, what are you wanting from me? How can I please you? Mm-hmm. How can I like earn your favor or yeah. your glory? Or like, even I'm so horrible and gross that I'll do that. Like, I'll be like, look at what I did. Now give me what I want. Like, yeah. you know what that, I mean? That like, transactional. Yeah. Oh, gross. You know? Okay. Oh, my goodness. Well, and so we talked about how you know what in, when it's not it. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're like, yeah, all right, I'm getting this wrong. I'm messing this up. How do you know when something is okay to step into? Because I, I struggle a lot with when something is affirmed in me. And this is going to surprise a lot of people because I blow a lot of smoke. Um, And I'm just going to be honest. I do. (laughs) Um, But I struggle when people affirm something in me and like call it out of me to have the confidence to walk in it Mm. because it feels selfish. Like 
no, I really do want this. Surely he wouldn't want this for me. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I'm supposed to struggle more. I'm supposed to suffer more. Like I should not oh, wow. like claim this and be or like, I want this too much. I want like, it too much. Yeah. So I shouldn't have it. Yep. You know, like I, it's just this screwed up thinking. Mm-hmm. He's a God of abundance, not, right. you know, not, not trying to like restrict what we get by any means. Yeah. He's trying to protect us at times, but he wants to pour out abundance and favor on us. And we're so dumb sometimes <laughs> that we can't receive it. Yeah. You know, like we convince ourselves yeah. it's not for us. Mm-hmm. So I'm more likely to say that's not for me than, yeah, that is for me. Mm-hmm. So how do you know? Yeah. I, I think there's like a couple indicators. I think one thing is, there's usually and I okay I feel like if you've led up in months in prayer and it is still coming up mm-hmm. and it is still consistent kind of like what we like yeah. me and you have had that conversation like it is consistent it is on your mind and you've taken it to the Lord surrendered it to the Lord like that's a good indicator because you've done the due diligence of I'm going to surrender this to you and I genuinely do not want it if it is not from you mm-hmm. so if it's not from you like take it away and if that has not happened, then maybe that's a good indicator. Mm-hmm. Also, the people that you trust to pour into you, those people that you've already decided, okay, I want you on that mental committee, if they're kind of on board with it too, like kind of like speaking in, like I see that in you, I could see you doing that. I think that's also a good indicator. Mm-hmm. And I also, I, I'm hesitant to say this because I don't know if this is every single time that a decision is made. Sometimes I do think he wants us to step out in faith, whether we feel this or not. But I think sometimes you do have a deep down like, okay, like I feel like like the Holy Spirit is like, okay, yes, like you you can't not. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think there are some instances where that's not the case. And those are the ones that are truly terrifying where I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to step out and you can close the door or not. Like you, Mm -hmm. we're just going to see what you do here, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. But I don't know if that like fully yeah. answers What that. do you do if, so I'm thinking about when you walk into a new period of life, mm-hmm. right? Where like we talked about, you know, you just graduated college and you're yeah. in adulthood and it's uncomfy, you know, <laughs> and you're like, this doesn't feel great, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to be where I'm being. Uh, I know I'm here for a reason, but it, it's uncomfortable and I'm starting to question everything because I'm uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. What's the difference in just being uncomfortable and being disobedient? Yeah. I, Okay. I have like a hot take here and the hot take is that I would say 95% of the people who graduate college and go into their first job, it is not glamorous yeah, and it is not going to be what you think it's going to look like for some reason. It's just like, man, I thought this was going to be like the movies. Look at my cute fit and my cute bag and like, and you're going to start moving up really fast and you're like, like, man, oh my gosh, they see my value immediately. (laughs) I'm getting a promotion. Right. Like, oh man, we have never thought about anything that you're saying before. That is so wild. (laughs) You're a prodigy. Brand new to all of us. It's just not like that. And I thought that I was like, man, this is gonna be like my legally blonde moment. And like, that's just not I'm not even a lawyer. But like, you know, that those vibes, you know, but yeah, I would say that there's a difference between being like, okay, this is this is just what life looks like. And this is, you know, the Lord showing up in the mundane and that not feeling super eventful. I feel like that's a different feeling than feeling like I know that something is wrong. And Mm -hmm. I feel like like deep seated in my stomach the holy spirit is like this isn't right Mm -hmm. and i do feel like the consistency is a big one it is and that you know you take it to the lord you pour out your heart to the lord and that deep-seated something is off is still there Mm -hmm. 
then that might be. And that's discernment and the Holy yeah. Spirit. You know, and like, that takes practice. And it you takes know? time. It does it take takes time. It takes a lot of time to know the difference and and decipher the difference, which is so tricky and stinks. I was talking to a girl just the other day who is in a hard season, an mm. uncomfortable season. And you start questioning every decision you've made when you are uncomfortable, right? right? Disobedience is a lot more obvious and a lot more consistently pointed out and discerned, not just by you, but by other people in your life as well. That's why it's so valuable to have people who love Jesus and love you yeah. and community. But it's hard to build community. I mean, you've experienced this. I mean, you've moved a few times. And especially as a dadgum adult. Oh, my goodness. It's yeah. really hard to find those people. Yes. And nobody talks about that. And nobody talks about that. I moved to Atlanta. Okay. So I moved when I moved to Atlanta, my husband, now husband, he worked at a summer camp. And so all the people that I knew moving to Atlanta were gone doing that. And so literally I moved there just on a random Tuesday and like had no one. And so I just sat on my bed and I was like, do I go to the grocery? What do I do? You know? And so I did. I go, I went to the grocery like eight times. Like I don't know. I didn't know what to do. I was like, what do I do? And I think what's hard about those kind of situations and what people don't tell you is it takes being faithful and showing up over and over and over again and saying yes over and over and over again and being sometimes put in uncomfy situations over and over again. And then over time, you look back and you're like, oh, like the Lord has been faithful and like built these mm -hmm. and given me the people that I needed, mm -hmm. you know? When I, cause we moved back to Knoxville mm -hmm. after a couple of years in Atlanta and it kind of the same thing happened. Is you it know? brand new? Cause it you was think it's going to be like, I remember after college, I thought, gosh, it's going to be awesome. I'm staying in Knoxville. Right. I'm like, and everyone I went to college with moved. Y yep. They were gone. And it was just me. And I was mm -hmm. like, what the heck? Where did everybody go? <laughs> you know, like, why am I starting all over? And it's just different. Even if you kept the same friends, you change mm -hmm. because you're in a new situation and you're, you don't know each other as adults yet, to mm -hmm. be honest with you. You yeah. know each other playing intramurals or going to Hodges yep. at three in the morning. <laughs> but it is true. Like you just start. I'll, I remember when you moved here and I had just finished what I was doing and I was in the like production booth and you came up and around and down into the booth and you were like, I don't know. We haven't met yet. My name's Taylor. I'm uh, Hunter's wife. And someone told me that I should be in your small group. So I just want to see if I could be in your small group. I don't know if you even remember. Did this. I really say yes. that? First you wow. said, and this is what's so like on brand for who you are. You're like, can I even be back here? I'm sorry. Am I supposed to be back here right now? I don't know if I'm supposed to be back here. I probably but wasn't. I, but you were like, I just want to be in your small group. And I was like, all right. Like, <laughs> be there. I'd love it. You know, but that that's not comfortable to do. It's not, you know, like yeah. it's not natural. Probably why I do. blacked it out in my I, I don't even remember that moment, <laughs> to be honest with you. I do. That's how I met you. <laughs> you walked out. Yeah. And you were like, I don't think we've met yet. My name's Taylor. I'm Hunter. Yeah. And it also took, you know what? Like the first couple of months that I went to Sphere Heights, all the people I knew were on staff. And I quite literally, I sat alone like for six months. Like I sat alone <laughs> and I was looking around like, does anybody know if I would be a friend? Like, yes. I don't know. Please, please. <laughs> but I mean, that's that's what's so hard is just because it takes time mm -hmm. and you feel a little bit pushed outside your boundaries or of what is comfortable to you does not mean that it's wrong. Mm -hmm. It was right for me to continue to show up, yep. even though it was hard, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And then there have been times where, you know, I knew a change needed to be made. And that felt very different to me yeah. than what I felt just being uncomfortable. Yes. You know what I mean? Well, and I think so, in those moments too, to say, yeah. no, we all feel that way. Like we all feel like idiots. We <laughs> all feel like we don't know what we're doing. And so 
that is the purpose of when you walk into these new seasons, when you're having this little bit of an identity crisis and you feel a little bit lost where you are, anchoring yourself with people who know Jesus. You might not know them yet, but if you can find community and people who are kind and, you know, want to spend time in the same season that you're in, man, that's a huge deal. It is a game changer. And being open, you can't, you can't know someone and you can't be known if you are not real and open. And you can't wait for someone to come do that for you. Yeah. Like someone can, if you're not open or if you're not willing to put yourself out there and ask, cause I know there are some introverted people. Like mm-hmm. I get it. I truly, I always say I fake it till I make it. I am not as outgoing as everyone thinks I am, but I literally just tell myself if you don't do it, no one else is going to. So just go do it. Like go talk to somebody, go right. do be the first person to do it. Cause nine times out of 10, Someone is hoping someone will talk to them. Someone is hoping that someone will be like, hey, you want to hang out? And so if you're waiting on someone to do it, be the person who does it. Go show up to a group for the first time and it's uncomfortable. Go, you know, to the grocery store and talk to someone who's also looking at Honeycrisp apples. Like, <laughs> Just kidding. That's weird. Don't do that. <laughs> I see you like these apples. I too <laughs> prefer the Honeycrisp. <laughs> you want to get coffee? <laughs> yeah, that's probably too much. <laughs> But don't be afraid to be the person that seeks it out because a lot of times people are hoping someone will and you're going to find so much more joy than just sitting in isolation Mm -hmm. and wondering, okay, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing in this season. I don't know who I am anymore. I feel a little bit lost. I don't think anyone else does. So I'm just going to sit in this by myself. You know, what a waste. Yeah, it is. And I would say too, like being open with the Lord in that too. Like I think sometimes in that, in that season, I was like, I'm not, I shouldn't feel this way. So I'm not. I'm just going to like censor my prayers mm-hmm. and just be like, okay, God, I know that you have me in this season. I know. Thank you. And you want to be so like, yeah. <laughs> praise you, Lord. Yeah. I feel I, miserable. I am blessed. Thank you. Yes. Loving this. No, but like it, the real work started to happen when I was like, God, I don't have any tools in my tool belt for this. Like, I genuinely don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Please mm-hmm. like I, show me, yep. you know? And yep. It's not like he came down in a cloud and was like, "Here's what you do." Like it's like, you is know. that what you think he said? <laughs> this is a little higher, probably. It's a little Here's like what you do. the Norwal <laughs> in the elf. Bye, buddy. No, yeah, no. It's, <laughs> please don't sound like that. I hope not. But you know, <laughs> no. But it is like when you can be honest about it, and uh, like that's when he fully. I think when we not he fully understand we fully understand him and who he is right. and that he cares and we you know? invite him into that mm-hmm. like he he already knows yeah because he created you yeah. but like he wants to be invited in and that's where the intimacy happens. I remember entering that motherhood season and I I just had Henley and I was like none of my friends have kids mm-hmm. like I don't know what I'm doing here and it was a little isolating and mm-hmm. lonely and I remember specifically praying like God I want a friend with kids like I just I want a friend who can be like super tight with. Mm-hmm. I could spend a whole lot of time with. And I kid you not, that was the week we hired one of my best friends now. Her name is Brooke. She's been on here several times. We hired her that week. And she started nursing her baby in my office. Like it was like a zero to a hundred. And it was such a kindness, like Mm -hmm. God's kindness of like, hey, I see you. Listen, I get it. Mm -hmm. I see you. And I want you to pay attention to this. It makes these moments of identity crisis so much easier Mm -hmm. to navigate when someone is beside you. And it's like, hey, I get that you feel this way. But let me point, let me give you another perspective. Let me point you another direction right now because I don't like the direction you're headed. But Mm -hmm. okay, as we wrap up this conversation, anything else that you're like, this was big for me? I do remember that I had a pastor who really knew me well 
and poured into me. And he was also my boss during that like year of me working there. And he told me to like pray through filters of how to make decisions. And I know that seems weird, but it was like, what are, what is your heartbeat for? And that's what you go chase. And I did that. I prayed for like six months and I came up with three, which was I came alive every time that I poured into that next generation of leaders. I wanted to pour into people who knew Jesus and disciple them and walk with them. I wanted to see people on the margins and care for them well. That was my second filter. And then my third one was I want to kind of rewrite my family story because there's been a lot of brokenness in my family. And so I just feel like those were things that the Lord had already put in me, but I didn't realize until I spent time with him Mm -hmm. and like quieted down. Uh, So that was super formative. And so maybe that's you. And that's like taking time and stripping it all away Mm -hmm. and praying through, okay, God, what did you make my heartbeat for? Mm -hmm. You know? Yep. Um, I love the filters. And those haven't changed. Like that was like probably six years ago. Yeah. Like those, every decision I've made can go back to that Yeah. because that's how the Lord made me, Yeah. you know? I love it. Okay. You know how we finish every episode? Oh, yes. And I've reminded you of it because I told you about it right before we hit record because I didn't (laughs) want you to get caught unawares. Um, What is one thing that you are so happy someone did tell you about? Yeah. Other than you put the snail snail poop. What is it? Snail saliva. Snail mucin (laughs) on my face. And honestly, I do think it gave me fungal acne. So don't. Don't what is that fungal? It's I don't know, but it's gross. Okay, and this it's snail mucin. You know the the Korean skincare. Yes, I saw it on Pinterest, and so I was like, you know what? Gosh, they really hit everywhere because they were all over TikTok. Well, I mean, they said yes. we're going to cover all of our bases. We're going to really just bankrupt the snails. Is yes. what they were doing. <laughs> but I, I of course was influenced, and I got it. And it's like you know you spread your fingers apart, and it like goes through your fi- like it's like very you know. And you put it on the first time, you're like, man, this feels luxurious. But now I'm like, I don't know. Uh, don't do it, guys. Don't it's just do not. It. Oh, I thought it was. It's not your skin what it was looking be. great. It looks Thank great right you. now. Your I skin appreciate does. you. Oh, yes. But that's probably because of something else you're doing. Yeah. Well, okay. There were two. The first one was gua sha. Yep. I talk about this almost every podcast. <laughs> I love that thing. It I, is my favorite thing. It does feel a little vulnerable the first time you do it. You're like, am I? Is what this do a I, thing? What is do this I do? Real? You know, I literally, I do half of my face and it looks totally different than my, yep. the other half. Like it, it is wild. Mm-hmm. And the second one is skin cycling. I've heard a bit about this. Okay. I watched some TikToks about this. <laughs> and I just is. don't have the like patience to remember and figure it out. I wish that I didn't, but I'm someone that like, I, I do think I'm a nine on the Enneagram because I love my night routine. I love like the comfiness of the routine and mm-hmm. I just feel great afterwards. But the first night is supposed to be exfoliation. And so I do like a BHA serum okay Gosh. this seems really bougie is serum an exfoliator we'll answer that next week. okay <laughs> I'm just i don't know <laughs> i don't know i just saw it on pinterest everything on pinterest is true and then the next night is supposed to be retinol and so i use tretinoin, mm-hmm. tretinoin. Yeah, and then the third night is supposed to be moisturize and repair so and you don't moisturize great. every night yeah but you do the other crap on top of it okay yeah so it's like 17 products. It's not like, actually, guys, just don't do it. <laughs> I'd regret it. <laughs> the gua sha thing is legit, though. That's only $10. So <laughs> I'm really, we're going to have to do a whole episode on skin cycling because you lost me. 
I also lost me as I was saying. I was like, this doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> Why am I saying I this? I feel confident, but I'm not. Yeah. This is not, this is not great. It's okay. So don't, but maybe think about, maybe look it up. Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe trust Google maybe more than, this, uh, than us on <laughs> this one. Okay. I won't say that often, but maybe on Skid Cycling, put, put that in your Googler, see what comes up. Your Googler. Taylor, you're so much fun. This is a good <laughs> time. Okay. So that's, we'll check that off the list. You all now know how to find your identity. You're welcome. You'll never struggle with it. <laughs> Just kidding. You will. Just remember this. You're going to have to play it back. I'm going to have to play it back. Me too. <laughs>